Welcome back to Friendless, the only show that tries to teach you how to be a better friend by losing every friend you have. I'm your host, James Avramenko, and unfortunately, this week's guest had to reschedule into the new year. So instead, what I'm doing is I'm bumping up the uh, originally planned year-end review episode to this week, and then I'm going to be taking an extra week holiday. So win for everyone. So to help me wrap up this year, I've invited back very special guest, my girlfriend, Sarah Watson, back to the show to talk all things 2022. And I timed the little the don't do of that music so perfectly. So I'm very proud and I hope you're proud of me too, Sarah. Welcome back to the show. I am very proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So um, this is going to be sort of a different episode than usual. Um, what I've done is I've pulled a bunch of just random stats from my year, and uh, I thought I would just sort of throw numbers at you a little bit if you were interested in that. And then also, you have actually come up with a bunch of questions for me mm-hmm. um, that uh, will sort of, I guess, sort of splice in between, or I don't know, Do we do we want to do like numbers section and then a question section i don't know i don't know what i'm doing here lay lay some stats on me lay some stats. yeah okay so let's see so the year of 2022 Mm -hmm. uh number of friendless episodes released 31 after this episode it'll be 32 um let's see uh number of movies and tv shows watched 107 (laughs) (laughs) that's too many i was sad for a lot of this year and uh i watched a lot of movies and you know what else this is the thing though a lot of that was like because every season is counted as one okay and then also i have this thing where if i watch the first movie uh, of a series i i have to watch the whole series no matter how bad it is it's why this year i didn't rewatch any of the friday the 13th because <laughs> then you have to I, watch all the friday the 13th. exactly <laughs> and there's like 19 of them yeah. so i just didn't have time but i definitely watched uh, every time so scream is my all-time favorite horror movie mm-hmm. the 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 one negative which isn't actually a negative but is for my time is that um anytime i watch the first scream i have to then watch all of them um and it's a great series and i love them so much but you know that's that's six movies that takes up uh no sorry five movies there's about to be six um but it that takes up a lot of time you know so yeah you live in a prison of your own brain it's very true (laughs) and i'm alone a lot of that time yeah so uh yeah 107 107 movies and tv shows do you want to know some of my do you want to know some of my highlights yeah what were your favorites i picked a top three of each so My top three movies <laughs> were Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Which that was fun. was so much fun. We watched together, and I had a blast. I remember when it came on, I was, like, distracted in the kitchen, and the opening scene is, like, two girls kissing. Yeah. And you were like, Sarah, Sarah, look. Look, girls kissing, your favorite. <laughs> and you came running. <laughs> running. <laughs> <laughs> which is especially funny because my kitchen is just an open section of my living room yeah it's right there (laughs) you could have seen it from there but i know but i had to get a close-up it was important it was really important important. um number two was uh werewolf by night i had a ton of fun it was like a little disney it was a disney plus marvel special Mm. that came out just before halloween i am a sucker for werewolves werewolves my favorite monster and it was just like really short and really fun and disconnected from basically all of the rest of marvel movies and that whole series has just gotten too big for me and They've put out way too much content for me to give a shit about anything mm. anymore. You know, like I just cannot bring myself to follow it. And now that they're doing all this, like it's the multiverse, so nothing actually matters. We can just do whatever the fuck we want, you know. And it's just it's really overwhelming. So it was really nice to just watch like a werewolf story. You know, nice. It was fun. It was super fun. Um, and number three was Jackass Forever. Um, it, it was. It was. I'm telling you, that was. How long was it? I want to say an hour and a half, maybe two hours. You're looking at me like I've ever seen a Jackass movie. Okay, super fair, super fair. But <laughs> it was like, it, it was just, it came at the exact time of year that I needed it. Mm. I, I want to say it was April, maybe May, maybe even earlier than that. I don't know. But it was in that period where I just, I needed a distraction and it was perfect. It was like nostalgic and funny and like, 
strangely sentimental like very very <laughs> you know and like you know and they're also old they're also cute and they're so nice now because they're all sober so they're all just like these like sweet old men who like yeah who, who like punch each other in the dicks you know it's just like it was really funny you know? i've heard good things it was great it was a great movie um and then top tv shows was severance coming in hot last minute entry literally last minute entry we watched it in a day yeah you'd already seen it and you put it on and i was just like oh this is my new favorite thing forever like I i've been trying to get to wa- you to watch it for months i know i know and i'm and i i don't well the only reason i was resistant is because i was showing you twin peaks and we haven't right. finished it yet because uh, it got bad now well that's just it and i knew you know i knew it was coming and it it still hurts every time. Mm-hmm. It hurts I'll finish every it. Time. I will finish it. But the problem is the 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 way you get through season two of Twin Peaks is just fucking go. Like <laughs> you have to just like white knuckle it and just get through it because it doesn't get better until like the last maybe three episodes. Really, really, it's more like two. Um, so there's just this long swath of TV where you're just like you're just riding on the fumes of goodwill of the first season. Mm. You know. But you can't stop because if you stop, you die. You're like, it's like a shark, you know? <laughs> Watching season two of Twin Peaks is like, you're being a shark and you just got to keep going, you know? <laughs> hey, that's it. We're not going to bed tonight. We're just finishing season two. Actually, though, that might be a good idea. Uh, but yeah, Severance was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two for me this year were Yellow Jackets yeah, nice. and Peacemaker. I didn't watch that one. Another one of those, like, it starts out just sort of goofy, superhero-y. You're just like, what the fuck? Why is this? And then by the end of it, you're so invested and everyone rules. And, like, John Cena, holy fuck. <laughs> like, I've never seen him do better work. Like, it was, it was, it was fabulous. I absolutely loved it. And I can't wait to watch more of it. Hey, hit me with a new stat. Uh, books read. Uh, 81 after I finished the uh, Boss Fight books. Uh, edition of Goldeneye tomorrow. So 81 <laughs> books. Um, my tops that I've picked are uh, We Can Never Leave This Place by Eric, Eric LaRocca, uh, Gag Reflex from former friendless guest El Nash. And uh, this one was, didn't come out this year, but I read it this year. And it was uh, Wasteland by W. Scott Poole. And I don't think a single book made a deeper impact on me than that one. Oh. Um, it's about the history of how World War I influenced the development of the horror film genre and then horror as a just horror in general. So it goes into H.P. Lovecraft and it goes into, you know, these kinds of things. But it was just this fascinating, fascinating history that really that not only do you get to watch how like horror develops and you get to see the way they use, you know, whether it's Nosferatu into Dr. Caligari and all these like classic silent films and how they're sort of being used to process the horrors of the First World War. Um, But you also see how in that interim period between the two world wars, how um, democracy was eroded and uh, it sort of starts to feel like we're in our own little Weimar Republic right now, you know, and you sort of see the the interwar period as like there's a lot of parallels to what's going on in terms of like how the dissolution of trust in democracy is happening and how it happened before. And so I cannot recommend that book highly enough. It's it's a, it's a real good read. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um what else we got? What else we got? Uh, oh, I forgot to look up how many therapy sessions I went to, but I want to say I averaged three a month. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so what's three times 12? 36. Thank you. So <laughs> let's, let's call it an even 35. Sure. Let's say I went to 35 therapy sessions. And, uh, and the highlight of that for me was that I didn't KMS <laughs> or whatever wow. it is. Is that what it is? KMS? Yeah. Yeah, well, you're, you're still here with us. I'm still here. And so thank you, Scott. You are an angel. You are an earth angel. Earth angel. Earth angel. What, um, in a more genuine way, yes, you're alive. We're happy for that. What? do you think you took from the process of being in therapy mm. this year? Oh, that's such a good way of framing that question. Um, 
the big thing, if I had to sort of distill it, yeah, pick one, you know, to to a singular, I think it's this objective of releasing perfection, mm. um, and I think it's about accepting that, uh, done is beautiful and perfect is impossible. Um, so just doing it, and 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 that's not to say you have to do everything. But what it means is, like, if you want to do something, do it. And if you don't want to do something, don't. But if you, if you have processed and realized, yes, you want to do something, then, then just do it. Just dive in and fuck up. Like, like I think what's, what's, what has held me back so much and what I think I observed holding a lot of people back is this fear of perfection. And this desire to get it right the first time. And so they just don't do it because they know they'll fuck up. So they'd rather just not try. And and I think that has really opened my eyes. Um, yeah, to just releasing perfection and just, just celebrating fucking up a lot more. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if that even comes out in the podcast and what you've been doing lately. I think so. I think so. Um, it's scary, you know, because I I've been at a bit of an impasse with the whole show, and I've I've been. I mean, you see me uh, every Sunday and Monday. If I don't have something really lined up or a solid interview or anything like that, I'm sweating bullets, and I'm literally d- d- debating with myself if I should just give up, if I should just close the whole show, if I should just delete everything and just pretend I never existed. You know, like I'm. I'm yeah, it's like the big black and white of like, well, if it's not out on Tuesday, I should quit instead yes. of like, well, what if it just came out on Wednesday? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's not a great way of being right now. But um, but the thing that I continue to sort of feel proud about is that I consistently continued to produce even when Absolutely. I, you know, like even when I was scared or even if when I didn't want to, I'd mm-hmm. always find something to put out and it wouldn't necessarily always be satisfying for me and i don't suspect it was always satisfying for listeners but um i gotta i I continue to maintain a really solid core of of listeners who i adore and i'm just like grateful for every fucking day and and so yeah i guess i guess in some ways yeah the show really has become a way of almost externalizing some of that theory right Mm -hmm. and 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 just sort of like you know I haven't been satisfied with what the show was for a long time, but I've ne- I have yet to be totally convinced of what it's going to become. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sort of trying stuff and I'm seeing what happens with it and, and if people respond to it. And so far, there hasn't been a huge response to anything, but that's okay. <laughs> um, what else? What else do we want to see? Do you want to hear a couple quick? I, I only have one fun little, uh, fun little factoid about the show the, oh, yeah. uh the the top 3 played guests of of the sh- of the season number 1 most played episode was Robbie Towns Ooh. um who i love and adore and and uh hope uh to actually get back on the show if only to spike my numbers but <laughs> 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 but uh incredible actor performer and um just an all around top top man uh Shiraz Higgins was number 2 um he uh he was on such a tight schedule that we had to like hard 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 stop which was fun it like kind of felt like a real professional interview you know because he's he's huge he um he does all the like cinematography he he films all of uh what is it bb bb and no money um oh he does all of his music videos and and so he's always just doing this crazy work and he's such a visionary i think he's incredible um and third was uh my little brother was the season premiere coming back from announcing my divorce (laughs) was uh my little brother derek who came on the show and we had a huge chat we had like a two-hour chat and i don't think i've talked to him since but But a uh, huge chat, and uh, and I'm really grateful for that. It's it's one of those funny things, you know. People will sometimes sort of joke about it, and they'll sort of like almost disparage podcasts a little bit because they'll be like, "Podcasts are the only way for men to empathize," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and sometimes it's kind of true because <laughs> like it 
it, it's the opportunity for a certain type of pop or for a certain type of interaction, you know, and, and I, it's actually one of the things I'm really grateful for with this show is it gives me space to um, sort of force myself into those kinds of conversations that I always want to have. I think you're selling yourself a little short. I think you empathize above and beyond your interviews. Uh, 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 sorry, I shouldn't say empathize. Thank you. That's really sweet of you to say. And I think you're right. I, I shouldn't say empathize. What I mean is like express mm. certain vulnerabilities. Right. Like right? having the mic in front of you somehow begets like a deeper level of connection. Yeah. That like, you know, and like, so for instance, like there's, there's, you know, I've had guests on the show, you know, TK Longmire, um, I don't know. I'm trying to, uh, you know, certain people who I haven't spoken to in years, but who I just like love. Mm. And yet for some reason, I, even after all these years of doing the show and even after learning how good it feels to reach out, I still just can't bring myself to do it sometimes. Unless Unle it's like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? Exactly. Exactly. You it's know, even crutch. even David Sklar, David Sklar, who like had been on the show and who, who you, love you know, David. I love him with my whole chest. Um, It's so hard for me to like just remember to just call him whereas i was just like oh this is a good excuse to talk to him for an hour and a half is to get him on my show and it's like that's kind of perverse in a way <laughs> you know it's, i'm yeah i'm trying to wrap my head around that it's not necessarily a good thing you know <laughs> i mean it's it's double-edged right like it, in one way it's this beautiful way to connect with your people and it's this archive mm -hmm. and yet if it's disconnecting you from the ability to have an hour-long phone call with someone when no one else is listening. That's just it. Gotta push yourself, babe. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's that thing of, like, if a man was vulnerable on a podcast and no one heard it, did it matter? I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the illusion is there. I I, I lost the train of thought. Anyway, I'm just shaking my here's head. Here's a different here's a different statistic. <laughs> okay, here's one you'll like. Uh, number of new stuffed animals that I bought or received as gifts and all of their <laughs> names uh total was five <laughs> that's too many <laughs> that's too many uh wally the whale my favorite celeste the pink elephant jealous of her uh now m my favorite dinosaur as you know is a stegosaurus and i received a stegosaurus and I was jokingly calling him Mean Mark Calloway. <laughs> and doing the voice. <laughs> Which is, I am meek, Mean Mark Calloway. Uh, so for, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Mark Calloway went on to become The Undertaker uh, in the WWF. Uh, but his first wrestling <laughs> uh, uh, moniker was Mean Mark Calloway. <laughs> and uh, so I would talk like this and I'd say, hi, Sarah. I'm going to rest in peace. <laughs> great, uh, great pillow talk actually yeah uh that name didn't stick so currently i just have a nameless stegosaurus who talks like the undertaker uh also a triceratops who is sitting right beside you um who i think is named terry but again the name didn't stick and you were telling me if you can't remember the name it means it's not their name no exactly that's exactly right and do you want to tell the story about how this this triceratops came to be well the short version it is i didn't want him at my house anymore <laughs> <laughs> the long version is um i fell into like an online shopping hole and it was advertised to me as a weighted guy like a weighted right. stuffed animal um and then he arrived unweighted mm -hmm. and i felt betrayed yeah and it kind of got our relationship off to a rocky start. You and Terry. Me and Terry. Yeah. So it was sort of tense in the home, just between the two of us. Well, and I kept on coming over, and he'd be in a different place. <laughs> he'd be like relegated I, to yeah. the living room. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, I would like try to bring it back. I'd be like, oh, you should be on the bed, and then and then I'd leave, and he'd be like under the couch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, it's not personal. It's not Terry's fault. No. It's just. He wasn't what I expected. Yeah. And sometimes when you have those expectations set, yeah. it's hard to adjust. That's exactly right. But we brought him over here and it was it clicked right away. We oh, were like, he was home. Yeah, this is where he lives. Yeah. Yeah, he lives on my on my poing. He lives on my rocking chair. And yeah. Because he's technically a throw pillow. He's not actually really <laughs> a, a, a stuffed animal. He's made as a throw pillow. He's huge. And he's huge and I love him. He looks a little iguana-ish. Yeah. 
there's a reptilian sort of energy. Yeah. Maybe I'll use him. Maybe Terry will be the cover photo for for this yeah. week's episode. So if you want to see what Terry looks like, you you just take out your phone and, and take a peek. Um, and last but not least, now, technically, Bobby the Blue Elephant isn't mine. But again, this is a, 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 a sort of an orphan that I have taken <laughs> under wing. Uh, all you have said is uh, he's cursed, uh, <laughs> and so so I've I've adopted him, him, her, they, uh, and uh, and I I love them, and and they're welcome in my home. The thing is, Bobby came over to your house um, when there was sort of like a dearth of animals here. That's right. Like there was only Wally. That's right. Because when I got you Wally the whale, I had very good intentions of giving you a gift. Yeah. And then very quickly, Wally and I bonded. Yeah, night one. <laughs> night two. I man. literally didn't get a night with him. Uh, we, we, you, you gave me, <clears throat> I remember this vividly, you, you gave it to me the night before my birthday, and I was so excited, and I curled up, but I was spooning you. And so you took Wally <laughs> <laughs> and put him to your chest, and then the three of us, you know, cuddled, and I've never touched him since. <laughs> No, he has like um his fur is kind of like he matted. Has dreadlocks. His, yeah, because I have such sweaty hands. <laughs> yeah. So when I grab him all the time. I just walk around the house with him. Yeah. So I felt bad and I was trying to um reduce my attachment to Wally. So I was like, well, I'll bring Bobby over. I'll bring Bobby the elephant over. Mm-hmm. And then like I've got a little guy, which only resulted in me like further rejecting Bobby the elephant. Yeah. Yeah, now Bobby just lives on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> just his sad little eyes watching us. And then you got Celeste. That's right. also an elephant, yeah. but is a way cuter, way prettier, way softer elephant. Yeah, and her little floppy butt. I feel awful for Bobby in this moment. I know. One sec. I know. Let's give him a little smooch. Can you grab him? Uh, the other fun thing is, in addition to stuffed animals, um, you have allowed me to indulge. You've allowed. What am I saying? I have indulged myself in my in my lifelong passion of um action figures and i've gotten a brand new shelf of wrestling action figures but i think maybe the piece de resistance was a christmas gift that my sister gave me which is ski fun ken (laughs) 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 with with after ski like party lodge outfit it's the gayest kendall which is saying a lot oh it's in fucking incredible i'm gonna put him riding terry Hell yeah. so that uh everyone can get a real good gander at this um but he's incredible and what's so amazing and why i just like love my sister so much is i used to have that ken doll yeah. i had it for years and uh you know as happens with toys they they get thrown out and uh, but i have and continue to have a luke perry doll from beverly hills 90210 that for years served as my tree topper <laughs> whenever I had a Christmas tree. Um, and so my sister figured, oh, if he has Luke Perry, he must have Ken still. And when I told her I didn't, she got so sad that she went and found a brand new version and, and sent it to me for Christmas. So now he, they, they, they're, they're a happy couple together. And, uh, Luke Perry and Yeah, Luke Ken. and Ken. And, uh, and he lives in a place of honor on my shelf now. Look at all our toys. We're mentally deranged. Just ill. <laughs> <laughs> I like my action figures. <laughs> I like my stuffed animals. <laughs> uh, number of plants killed in 2022, three. Three. Number of plants almost killed but saved by you, two. <laughs> <laughs> you, except your bookshelf fell on one of them. And you know what? And he's okay. A little bent. He's okay. <laughs> it's like... That scene from Wayne's World when Lara Flynn Boyle hits the car and flies over it. Hi. (laughs) Literally, no one understands that reference if you haven't seen Wayne's World. But if you've seen Wayne's World, you know exactly the moment I'm talking about. Um, Last but not least, in terms of statistics, is uh, zines made. Yeah. Uh, 100. Hell yeah. Um, I literally, as of the day of this episode going uh, live, uh, is day 100 of my 100-day project, and I didn't miss a fucking day. You killed it. Thank you, and I'm really proud of that. Mm. And um, so, yeah, 100 zines published. Um, I, I chose my top threes, or at least just threes that made me laugh. Uh, number one was Places I Cried This Year. <laughs> I liked that one a lot. Uh, I liked uh, Animal Buttholes. 
I thought that one was really great. <laughs> and I really liked my my weird little meta one, which um is technically called This is the cover of today's zine. But um, like but it was yeah, I don't I don't know. It was just sort of a funny little deconstruction of zines. So so those those were all the sort of stats I could come up with. What did you um? Because like I know you got sort of varying levels of engagement mm-hmm. with the zines, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, the Instagram algorithm makes no sense. But yeah. uh, did you find there was a theme of ones that people enjoyed more? Is there something that you learned from that? Oh, good question. Um, you know the the, in a lot of ways, it felt like the more vulnerable, the better. Mm. Uh, a lot of the times when I got really raw, there was a big response. Um, also when I got like kind of on brand, you know, when I talked about connection, when I talked about friendship and I talked Mm. about how to be a good friend or friend quotes, those kinds of things, those ones tended to land the best. Um, the ones that I think people could tell were sort of phone in days of like Bob Dylan quotes or just whatever the fuck, you know, and some of those are fun and cute. And I think, I think I, I, uh, chose good quotes for those, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time too, you know, they're sort of like, yeah, that's nice, you know? Um, and I think a lot of people are in a mode of Instagram, especially, but I think just in general on social media that I'm definitely in, which is like, I think people sort of forget to like something, even if they do like it. Uh, I know for me, I see something and I'm like, oh, cute. And then I just keep scrolling and Mm -hmm. I forget, even though it's like so innocuous to just go, you know, but even that much is just like, you have to be really triggered to like. You almost have to be made to stay somehow. I don't know. I don't know. There's something happening to my brain where I'm like, I forget to like stuff, even if I do like it. So I don't take it as a sign of a failure, um, especially because if you look at other analytics, you know, engagement is really high. People see it, you know, so so the impressions are high, but that turning into likes, you know, but who gives a fuck? I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really doing it for likes. I was the fact that I got a like on every single one is like. I, I feel real proud of that. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Well, and what what an interesting takeaway, right? That it's vulnerability and mm-hmm. connection, like that this is what people are interested in mm-hmm. seeing online. I think that there is a big push for authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I think that people are really tired of seeing people pretend to be the 1%. You know, I think people are really tired of this like sort of faux jet setting look at my meal in Milan kind of shit, you know, like, um, cause it just doesn't, it feels really lifeless and it feels sort of like, okay, you know? I don't know. I mean, I agree and disagree. I think, I mean, I get at you sometimes for being self-deprecating. Mm. I think what I've noticed in my social media, which I keep, like, I, I don't know, I said in my episode, I keep it pretty small. Yes. But um, what I've noticed people engage with the most is when I'm like genuinely excited about something. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes I'm online and I'm, I'm feeling a little down on myself or I'm feeling cynical or I'm feeling whatever. And I, when I see people being like that and I, when I'm being like that, like I find it so disconnecting. Mm-hmm. And I find when I was reading your zines that I could just tell you were stoked on, even yeah. if I didn't super connect with animal buttholes. You being super stoked on it made me want to engage with it more, and it's made me think about my social media a little bit more. That's so interesting. That's such a good perspective on it, too, because I think that that's maybe what I'm actually driving at. Like, I have no interest in shitting on, realistically speaking, anyone. Like, you know, it's like if if you're really into eating meals in Milan, that's fucking awesome. I don't I know. would take a fucking meal uh, Yeah, in also, Milan like, right who now. am I kidding? Exactly, <laughs> right? Like, that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, who am I fucking kidding? What am I doing bullying somebody who I'm just jealous of? You know what I mean? Um, but, like... The definition of bullying. Well, that's just it. Um, but what I mean by that is more like, but is that genuinely what you want to be showing? You know? Like, because mm. I think something that's happening in social media right now is, like, we're, we're all trying to be special in this singular way which is through photography but not everybody wants to be a photographer so we're trying to figure out how to remain authentic to ourselves through a like inherently very limiting mm. f- lens and and i think that's what's making so many people frustrated with social media is that it tells us we have to make ourselves special and make ourselves unique which in a certain way we are but then in a very healthy mental mental state we also aren't and so there's like a there's a funny mm-hmm. balancing act that has to come out of that and there's a funny exploration that has to come out of that and it doesn't always serve everyone's 
uh, authenticity to, mm-hmm. to post through that. And um, so, yeah, when you do find something to say, it's really exciting. You know? Especially if you're excited about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what do you think? Do you, do you have a couple, um, you have a couple of think pieces you want to, you want to talk through here? Well, I mean, so I kind of was curious your relationship to this before I asked you about it. Like, Mm -hmm. what's your relationship to the concept of regret? Whoa, my relationship to the concept of regret. Because the, to skip ahead, like I was wondering if there were things that you regretted about your year. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I, but you know, it's hard. It's hard to say it's regret. That's, that's kind of what I'm curious. Yeah. Relationship to that. Cause I figured you might have a stance, you know, it's like, I think my default, I think my, 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 my old routines mm-hmm. would be to, to call it regret and then use that regret to freeze me and mm. then root me to uh like non like no um helplessness right mm-hmm. you know and then just not have to make a choice because ooh i'm helpless i can't do anything mm. i'm frozen now right you know um and so and 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 that happened a lot this year there was a lot of moments where like really big really dramatic shit happened like really really awful shit happened this year and I reacted to it uh, at times defensively, at times uh, uh, very chaotically, at times uh, in ways that I wouldn't repeat if I had a chance to do it over. But at the same time, too, like at all those times, I was only processing with the tools that I had at that time. Mm. And I was only ever experiencing it as I could in that moment. And so in a lot of ways, you kind of can't regret that, mm. you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't hurt anyone. I didn't um, like harm anyone, you know, and I didn't cause any kind of like permanent damage to anything. And so in a lot of ways, there's sort of nothing to regret in that sense, mm. because the deepest damage in the in 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 one sense of, of it was done to me by me, you know. So, so why would I regret that? I, I would just hope to learn from that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of the words we use these days evoke the wrong thing. We were talking today about displacement versus projection. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, you were talking about this beautiful idea. Do you want to explain your idea? Well, I think I made it up. I don't know if it's real, but we were talking about, we talk about projection a lot. Like when we're. I don't even want to say in conflict, but when we're navigating tension, sure. um, we notice that often we are doing what we would call projection. Mm-hmm. Like I had past experience and I'm projecting that experience on our current reality and assuming you're going to act in a certain way or reacting as if you were in that past experience. Um, but someone said to me the word displacement today. Yeah. And then what did you say earlier? You you were saying like, well, projection, it's like we're projecting where we're the projector because you're like the projecting. projector and you hold the original image and then you blow it up on someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I see that as a type of projection. Yeah. And, and so I think differentiating displacement is when I'm projecting, I'm taking an old film an mm-hmm. old tape and I'm playing it on you. Not super fair. Displacement is like I am having an experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm feeling insecure, so I'm going to tell you that you're being insecure. Right. It's a much more present kind of, it's a more in-the-moment type of... Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, and I, and I, and I, think, I think you're spot on, and I, uh, although I, I, I personally, I see, I see those words until we get a lot more nuanced mm-hmm. in general. I think those words are sort of inter- interchangeable in a certain light. Oh, absolutely. But, but, but what i what i the reason that came to mind was because um i think a lot of our word choices colloquially and socially are actually projection words you know and i think mm. regret actually is evoking not what we think is regret but mm. it's actually revoking it's actually invoking um a type of like unsettled 
loathing or I don't know. There's mm-hmm. I, I can't quite pick at it right now. I don't quite know exactly the right way of putting it. But I just I feel like a lot of our word choices these days aren't actually evoking the thing that we're evoking. You know, well, when I think regret, I think like I'm looking at a situation and I wish that it had gone differently. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm going to regret how I acted or behaved. But that regret can keep us stuck. Yes. In like anxious looping because we can't change the past. Which puts us in a like a space perhaps of being out of control. Like mm-hmm. we're out of control of that situation. And I don't think a lot of us tolerate fe- the feeling of being out of control or mm-hmm. things that are mm-hmm. out of our control. I think regret becomes a mechanism to... Um, Take back control. To, yeah, to feel as though we have it. If I sit and I ruminate and I regret and I loop about how it could have gone differently, it's almost like we've got control because we're doing something about it. Right. Even though we can't change the past. So yeah. for you to say, well, I'm going to let go of regret because I did the best that I could in that moment and I have to accept that and have compassion for myself, I'm adding here, mm-hmm. is to release the control over the past, which yeah. I think is quite empowering. Yeah. Well, and that's that's my goal. And it's not, you know, and, and as I've learned throughout the year, you, you know, the, the uh, just because it's settled one day doesn't mean it is the next day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it can always come back and that's OK. You just do it again. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. all everything's about a process. Right. And nothing ever, you know, as I learned through a, a session very recently with with my therapist, like nothing ever has to be settled. You don't ever have to put anything away. Mm-hmm. You know, you can process it forever and processing isn't a bad thing it's you know you don't have to get over stuff you don't you don't have to right like if you don't want to get over something don't you know i think it's just cost benefit well so that's this is just that right i mean he was talking about like because i was talking about like mourning you know like mourning my grandma and mourning like the loss of all of her like christmas ornaments and like the like tragedy of how those were taken and and the sort of like the cruelty around that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I was feeling really bad about that. And that manifested in feelings of mourning and manifested in feelings of helplessness, you and know, grief. and grief. Exactly. And, and he was saying, well, why would you ever want to get over that? Why would you ever want to get over your grandma? You know? Well, and I think grieving, you're talking yes. like grief is, yeah, it's, you can grieve the rest of your life. That's fine. Well, and I've heard grief described as a sort of like typical description is like, it's not that the grief gets smaller, the container in which you hold it gets bigger. That's exactly right. That's how it's always felt for me. And I mean, I, this is maybe not my place to say, but it, it feels like, I don't know, g- grief has really colored your year. Oh, big time. Yeah. So you're processing a lot of things that aren't actually going to process out in a way necessarily but your relationship to and your container for is going to change to grow and grow yeah <sighs> it, yeah big it, time it um well th- another question i have for you maybe semi-related is mm-hmm. like what would you tell january james mm. that um, you'll be alive okay you'll survive you know um I'd say be wary of emails from Germans. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's funny. Come on, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> no, um no, you know what? I would say just keep on doing it, you know, just keep on living like you'll survive. Um because I think that I think one of the great anxieties that we face at all times, always, is that we don't know that the future will come, mm. even though it always will. Mm-hmm. The future will always arrive. There's nothing we can do about it, you know? Um, you know, my therapist was talking about, like, you could waste your day or you could use your day, and either way, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do with your day, you know? In the same sense that, like, there's nothing you can do to hold back the sunset, you know? So just live. Like, just live. Just, and just trust that... Just trust that you'll, you'll live until you don't, basically, you know? And that's good. That's a beautiful thing. That's not hopeless. That's not negative. That's just, that's just you know... It's not worth trying to control that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I would just say, like, don't worry, you're going to get through it. And 
if like would i be like would i be like doing like a back to the future thing would i be like giving him like a sports almanac to bet on or would i be giving him like exact moments or like would i would it just be like a general sense like i was just curious what maybe you needed to hear then that Mm. you know now i think that There wasn't a lot of reassurance in January that I was actually gonna make it through. Mm-hmm. There was a there was some support in the moment, just to keep me breathing, and that was invaluable. And I'm grateful for those people mm-hmm. to the day I die. Those I'm grateful to those people. Um. But there wasn't really anything coming in saying, and not about like get over it and go on to the next thing, but more about like that there will be a next thing. Mm. You know, we were all, because I was so stuck in it, no one else was trying to push me to see that there was going to be more, you know? And so I think letting, letting myself know that there would be more and how good it would get, you know, and how much good there would be and how much life there would be. Like, oh, holy fuck, this year was wild. There was so much life in this year, you know, and a lot of, you know, what do you call them? Peaks and peaks and pits. Peaks and pits. A lot of peaks, a lot of pits, you know, but like the peaks were fucking fabulous, you know, and, and it made the pits worth it. Right. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. What else? What else you got? Um, well, it's kind of a pivot because I got the joy of celebrating your birthday with you. Yeah. Um, which I'd never done before. That's right. Um, You'd never celebrated a birthday before. No, it was my first birthday ever. Yeah. How did I do? Oh, terribly, but we'll figure it out next <laughs> year. It's fine. <laughs> Went to your karaoke birthday and sang more songs than anyone. <laughs> really badly no you killed it oh my god it was so much fun oh my god that was one of the best birthdays of my whole life honestly i actually think that was my best adult birthday i don't think i had a better adult birthday i probably had like a good like eighth or something you know what i mean like maybe like whatever year i got like the 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 baby from dinosaurs the like life-size version of that like maybe that birthday you know but like in terms of adult I was going to say post-university, but, like, even, like, in-university birthdays, I think that was my best one. Like It was, it was so fun. Magnificent. And it was, and it, so much of it came down to you. So I'm, I'm oh. deeply grateful for that. Oh, I wasn't expecting you to say that. Well, it's true. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, something interesting that came out of that birthday was that I was doing Sober September. That's right. Because I come in and out of different forms of sobriety or being mm-hmm. sober-ish or damp or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um so you were like fuck it i'll join you why yeah. not and then you've sort of stayed sober yeah since you know we've had a couple big blowout nights. drink for birthdays yeah yeah birthdays or halloween yeah you know i think it's been probably maybe three times yeah i think four since august yeah. yeah yeah so i mean tell me about what that's been like to not be drinking beautiful it's been beautiful uh i I love, love, love being drunk so much. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? I love being drunk so much. Um, but I also hate it. Um, it's, it's, you know, my energy is shorter than I want it to be. So I get tired. And so then I'm like ornery by the end of the night and it sucks. And, you know, and then I'm sick and blah, blah, blah and hungover and all these things. And I just, I have had this, like, clarity of mind and this, like, the ease of waking up in the morning and, like, always, always just knowing I'll wake up fine, you know? Like, and, <clears throat> yeah, there's just been, there's been a, 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 such a growth in my energy and in my outlook and in just my belief in my body, almost, you know? I think that's been one of the big things is that it's like, you know, I've been doing yoga since the start of the year. That's been mm-hmm. one of the big things that I've been doing is I've been really regularly, really dedicated to my yoga practice. But uh, cutting booze has probably done even more help than the yoga, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> um, uh, it's at, at a very, very least it's helped keep the 
the the pounds off you know what i mean so not that it's like a bit about weight loss so much as like just like being healthy you mm. know and it just feel healthier mm. so that's really helped um it saved me a fuckload of money which living alone in vancouver is very helpful for <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's 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 been funny it's also it's been pretty tough honestly in a lot of ways it's been really tough because it's very lonely mm. um because you know the the default is let's go for a drink and yeah. when you say, oh, I'm not actually drinking, that sort of, like, cuts people off, you know? Mm. People often take that personally. They have to take that as some kind of, like, commentary on them, even though it's not. You know, it's like when somebody says they're vegetarian and suddenly people get defensive. And it's like, no, I'm just telling you mm-hmm. what I do with my body. I'm not telling you what to do with yours, you know? Um, but people feel this internal shame, and so they, you know, they displace it on you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? Um so sometimes it can be kind of lonely because it's like, I'll still come out. I'll just have a fucking ginger ale or something. You know what I mean? Or like there's really good non-alcoholic beer now. Like whatever, you know? Um, but often if you're not drinking, it's alienating for other people. And so that's been one of the harder things to navigate. Because, um, yeah, it can be kind of isolating in that way. Well, and you've talked to me before, and I don't think this is a surprise to anyone who's drank alcohol, is that it helps with socializing. Oh, Big time, big time, yeah. And it, that's actually so interesting that you bring that up because it's something I always think about and sort of rave about once mm-hmm. I remember it again is that, like, often I would talk about, like, relying on alcohol to be the sort of icebreaker for me, right? It would yeah. sort of get me settled and I'd have two drinks and then I'd be ready for, I'd be party James, right? You know, and good time Jimmy, right? And And what I realized in staying sober at parties or at the bar and stuff like that is like the time it takes to drink about two drinks is also kind of the time it just takes to sort of settle in. Right. And so like you just take that time and you settle in and then you're just sober party, James. You know, like you're not you're not really any different. You're just you're just as comfortable. But you also don't wake up feeling embarrassed about what you said. And that's the big thing for me is that like I'll just fuck soberly i'll run my mouth all the time so like i can't imagine what i'm like drunk you know <laughs> right so just waking up with that feeling of embarrassment and waking up without that fear of shame of like oh did i misspeak did i say the wrong thing should i have said that oh fuck you know um has been so helpful for me because i'm someone who i live in perpetual shame at almost all times about something like i'm constantly fighting the battle of like self-loathing and 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 that doesn't always feel justified but it is always there Mm -hmm. you know as much as i don't like that which is ironic you know (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so so to sort of try and stymie that shame by just always being able to remember what i said you know that that's helped a lot I love it. Yeah. You've been doing a really great job. I'm really proud of you. Thank you very much. And it's been you've you've been a huge help. Like you you know, you you doing that sober September came right at the same time my brother went sober at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And he's been sober the whole time. And he was raving about it on a phone call he and I had. And then you were telling me about this. So it was like this beautiful sort of kismetic connection of the two deeply important people in my life telling me about sobriety and 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 then funny enough i actually did an interview with with uh with a guy um from tiktok uh kyle and um fuck i'm blanking on his last name right now um oh shit i feel like a total dickhead here um but uh he was telling me about his sobriety adventure and uh and so i just yeah it was i was really inspired by you all and and it's it's been a journey i don't you know, I don't consider myself sober as a thing, right? Because yeah. I do still drink. And and so I don't consider myself like a hardliner because I'll still have a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that I don't very often anymore. Um, so I don't think I feel a lot of pride in it, you know, because it doesn't actually feel very challenging for me. It's, it's, I was never somebody who, like, had a drink. Uh, if I was going to drink, I was get drunk, you know what I mean? Because it just didn't feel worth it for me. So I was never someone who just came home and had a beer, you know. Um, so it's never been hard for me to not drink for a long time. It's just that these this time it's gone a lot longer in between, mm-hmm. you know, refractory periods. 
Well, and yeah, I mean, it sounds like for you, it's also been a big process this year. Like, I know you didn't discover that you have shame this year, but that <laughs> you've really been forced to face a lot of your anxieties and your shame and your guilt and shame and guilt and anxiety are all sort of, I don't know, states. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even want to call them emotions, but states mm -hmm. that get in the way of just feeling what we're actually feeling. Mm -hmm. Might be fear, or grief, or anger, or whatever. Yeah. But it's you're putting in a lot of work to sort of skim those states off the top and move through them. And I think you're working really hard. Thanks, Sarah. Mm. It means a lot to me. Yeah. Thanks for seeing that. <laughs> I think I'm trying. I don't know. It's that weird thing, right? Like, you know, when you're doing this kind of work, you're like, am I making, like, am I doing it? Am I doing okay? I don't fucking know. Scott, my therapist, he's always like, he's always trying to get me out of progress mentality. He's always right. trying to get me to not think about it as progress, right? He's like, it's just the it's process, right? You know, it's just the process. You're just, you're just doing, doing it. And, and it's not about a ladder. You're not on to the next step. You're just, you know, but. It's so hard to break that mentality. It's so hard, it's, which is essentially a binary, right? Because it's like if you're not here, you're here, you know. But I don't. I think I'm doing okay. I, I feel like I'm doing okay. I, don't I know. think you're doing great. I feel like you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming up on an hour here. Um, what do you think? Do you want to do one more question? You have no more questions? I have nothing left in the world to ask well, you. Well, that is literally, then that's the perfect way to wrap up. <laughs> well, listen, Sarah, um, thank you so much for coming on last minute and, and chatting with me. I really appreciate this. You are, you're a great interviewer. And um, I just think the world of you. I, I'm, you know, look, Buck, you know, if, if 2022 was good for anything, it was reconnecting me with you. And I'm really, really mm -hmm. grateful for that. So. So yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on and thanks for being you. Happy twenty twenty two. Yay! <laughs> I love you. I love you too. <laughs> All right, you fucks. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'm gonna be nice about it. All right, sweet peas. That is it for us. So I want to wish you a merry little Christmas and a happy New Year. And I will see you again in twenty twenty three with all kinds of fun, new friendless content. And until then, fun and safety, I guess. I don't know. I'm good. You always say that, and then you put your button on the end of the episode, and it says fun and safety. Again. I know. And every time I'm like, damn it, Jimmy. <laughs> I know. I know. I need, I need a, yeah, I know. I don't need anything. I, I, I want to come up with something else. But anyway, I love you all, and we'll catch you soon. If you like this show and want to support it, buy me a coffee through the links in the show notes or visit www.friendlesspod.com to learn more. Fun and safety, sweeties.